I love being on here with you guys, Nick and Joe. I really appreciate it. TLDR, you guys are awesome. We're about to make the Jordan flu game look like a little league game. Oh, and welcome back to TLDR. I'm your nasally congested, congested backcracker, Dr. Joe. With me, as always, is my hunky crime. Together, we are the Woodward and Bernstein of the DSG. Briar, my guy, how's it going? I think it's going a lot better than you this week. Last week, you scared the shit out of me because you were coming after me, right? Going right for the jugular because you're upset about the, <laughs> the hoopla stuff, which you had wrong. I've been on top of that from day one, not you. Just want to set the record straight. But but um, I'm doing good. I you know I'm excited for the books that we have planned today. The holiday special last year, you definitely had the advantage. Definitely had the better book. This year, my book is uh, pushing the the holiday limits, but it's definitely a kick-ass book. I, I cannot wait to tell you about this thing. I'm absolutely stunned that the book that I'm talking about today, neither of us um, had come across last year. Not mm. that I, I'm upset that I did Klaus, because Klaus or Claus or Klaus, however mm. you want to pronounce it, uh, was an awesome book. And I thought about doing a second part of it for today, but uh, I, I'm excited. I love these holiday issues. Yeah, and I mean, the holiday season, right? All about giving, right? We, of course, get, gave you guys the gift guide recently. We have the annual, our second annual coming up uh, right next week, right before the end of the year. And then also, we we got some gifts ourselves, Joe. As much as I'm excited to talk to, you know, for the annual and everything, um, we found out that we're going to get a Punisher series next year in March, written by Jason Aaron, 13-issue prestige series. And before that, we found out that we're getting a Gambit series written by none other than Chris Claremont, the, I mean, one of the greatest X-Men writers of all time, if not the greatest X-Men writer of all time. And I don't know what to be more excited about. I got to be honest. This is nuts. Well, I'm definitely definitely more excited about Gambit and, and Chris Claremont and – you know, I, I guess the the only question I have is, uh, you know, does he still have his fastball, right? Because mm-hmm. we've we've seen, you know, Frank Miller and some of these other guys come back, and and it just clearly like they don't have it. And I'm not saying that's the case with Claremont. So I'm I'm very excited to see mm-hmm. him come back, take on a character that we love, Ugh. and if even if he's still painting the corners, it's going to be tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, I have very high expectations for the series. It's, I mean, you have to. And I've got high expectations for Punisher. Jason Aaron wrote um, Sea of Stars, which mm-hmm. I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Um, Great writer. And, yeah, and legendary for, writer. for Image. Right. So, yeah. So both those are going to be tremendous, I think. Uh, but definitely looking forward to Gambit. The whole, so I am most excited about Gambit, but I have apprehension, like you said, because does he still have, does Claremont still have his fastball? And you just, just get worried. You just, I just don't know what to expect. We've seen... I did a Gambit book a while back. Uh, it was a Marvel Now run with Gambit, and there was good stuff there. I really enjoyed that. But Gambit is not always a character that I feel like has been written well solo. It's tough. And if you if you bring in Rogue with all this too, I'm I'm more than, I'm totally game for that. Obviously, I want more. I want as much Rogue as I can get to. Um, the Mister and Mrs X series, the Rogue and Gambit series by Kelly Thompson, that was all fun too. But like. I want like if it's Gambit solo, then it should be focused on him, and that's kind of where people have struggled in the past. If there's anybody who can do it, it's definitely Claremont. When it comes to the Punisher, I mean the cover that we tweeted out oh. from TLDR. Of course, more information over on Geeks Worldwide as well. But that the main cover, or at least the first issue's cover that we got, is kick ass. And if that's what we're getting, like if as long as they're not trying to like set the Punisher right like DC kind of has with Red Hood, then it's going to be awesome. Then it's going to be a fun ride. If they try and change him too much and make him like a nice guy now, you know, 
then then we're, in, we're, we're in, running into some trouble for sure. But I, I love I, that little design tweak they did to the yeah. skull, right? Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, that's yeah. what guys you gotta put that on a t-shirt, right? I mean yeah. marketing 101. But uh but yeah, I, like for that one, I, I feel like that's gonna be an easier hit. I guess is how I feel about that. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So that's yeah. why, like, I'm careful about how excited I get about Gambit. But one thing, another thing, I didn't get to. Uh, I don't feel like I had to temper down my expectations too much for was Spider-Man: No Way Home, which I know I talked about at length over on Change My Mind. You guys can go listen to Wes and I's conversation um, on that. It was, so that's Change My Mind one forty nine, also available on Geek Worldwide Radio, just like TLDR is. But Joe, do you have thoughts that you wanted to share since you got to see it actually before I did? I mean, I loved it. I loved it. It's not, it's not a top ten MCU movie for me. What? Yeah. Wow. It's like eleven, right? But so still, it's like it's right there. You to know, me that's a th- it might be the third best one ever. I have it as the third best one ever. Oh no, I don't. I don't. Um, I'll have to. Go, I'll have to go back and and re rank them. But just sort of off the top of my head, just only because I think part of it for me, I loved the action. I loved the story, but like. We already knew that all you know, like Marvel just can't help themselves sometimes. So, like, if if you know the other Spider Men or if some of the villains were more of a surprise, and I had more of that wow factor, mm. you know, like when they came in, it's like I was expecting it, and, and it was good. And like, Sandman was dumb and Lizard, like they didn't need him. So, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was really really good. That's not just like to say it's like eleven. You know, like there's 10 movies in there that are really, really fucking good. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton. There's a ton of awesome movies. Don't get me wrong. But to me, this was like the the writing in this was outstanding. Like you have all this stuff that we knew coming in. Oh, it was definitely one of the more emotionally. I mean, it was it's right up there emotionally with Infinity War, Mm -hmm. giving you those moments where you're just like, oh, you know. For yeah, sure. there's a lot of laughs in this too, and I understand some of that is yeah, probably yeah, improvised. Yeah. But uh, I mean, now a little spoiler for everybody for those who haven't watched it. But if you go, it, you, the, the whole conversation about Spider-Man's web shooters and the difference with one of the <laughs> Spider-Men in the past yeah. for me that's huge because I am the the way that was done with Maguire Spider-Man. That's how I like it. That's how it was in the cartoon, if I remember correctly. So that's what I was raised on first. So that's what I want. I'm not a cartridge guy personally so that, i love that they, they talk about it and then they come back to it again later does on it, like, does it, where else is it where else does it shoot from you know that was, <laughs> yes yeah no it was it was a great movie i'm not i'm not poo-pooing it at all like i just when i walked out of that movie like there's certain movies you walk out of mm-hmm. and you're just like oh fuck and like you, like and i just didn't have that i was like that was really good and like mm-hmm. so you know, for me, I mean, I've got, you know, Guardians and Ragnarok and Infinity War and Endgame and, you know, uh, you know, Winter Soldier. Like Winter Soldier for Winter me Soldier is one Soldier. of my is mm-hmm. one of my just favorite movies of the MCU. So maybe it does. Maybe I move something out like maybe it's maybe it sneaks in at eight, nine, you know, 10, somewhere right around there. But that's mm-hmm. sort of where I have it. You know, it yeah, was a really good movie. It just I, I don't think it was my favorite Spider-Man movie. I really enjoyed Homecoming. Oh, okay. Uh, homecoming. See, Homecoming for me, I think is probably number three on my list in all of that of, of of those Spider-Man movies. Still a very good movie. Still, I can't remember what I gave it for grade, but oh, number um, three is easily far from home. Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't feel that way, but yeah. um, yeah, I, I felt like it's the, it's gotten better as time has gone along. But yeah, Winter Soldier's right there for me too. That's probably yeah, yeah. it's Winter Soldier, Guardians, and Thor Ragnarok are my top three. Um, until this one came along, were my top three outside of 
um, Endgame in Infinity War. And Black Panther's in there, right? Black Panther's I mean, definitely so. is a top ten for me. It wasn't. I don't know if it was top five. I can't remember exactly. We have this the change my mind rankings. And in, in, in this talking about this show, two things have come to my mind. One, we have to figure out what uh, the DSG's grading for all of these movies is on the whole. We kind of got to get an image together on that at some point. Figure out everybody's grades and see what the DSG's MCU rankings are, and just update that as time goes along. One and two. We talk about our grading system on Geeks Worldwide, and of course, it's just a simple, you know, want it score out of ten, and you know, you get into decimals and stuff. But we need to figure out our own because change my mind. We do it out of a hundred. We keep it simple. But Dork has the stones. They have that other odd one where they use my helmet as like a number two, a two out of six stones. <laughs> they got all that. Mac and Goo um, has what is it? The hot dogs, uh, and then uh, P- PCP has. Um, they have was it one out of a, a score out of eleven, right? The, the podcasters dozen, I believe, is what it is. The podcasters out of, out of eleven, yeah, yeah. So we got to figure out what our grading system is at some point. We can't just pineapples. Keep, that's yeah. You guys do your yeah. That's that's not that's not our stick. Wrong show. I, Jesus. Okay, it really is going to be the flu game today. All right. Um, <laughs> so let's move over to catching up. I actually don't have anything for catching up this week, Joe. Um, obviously, there's a lot of good stuff came out this week. Did you have anything that you caught up on? So I didn't catch up on a ton. Holiday season, right? It's just yeah. oh. fucking brutal. Uh, yeah. So uh, I I read Telepaths number three because uh, okay. oh okay yeah we're supposed to get you know <laughs> in our folder with review copies it says preview to come so there's no mm-hmm. link for so uh, that comes out uh, as you're listening to that on new comic book day but Telepaths three I thought was great I'm enjoying the series it's one it's a it's a weird book because on one hand. I wish it was part of the resistance universe, mm. but on the other hand, it like just can't be because yeah, can't of, be. you know, with the president and, you know, like it just wouldn't work out unless they were in the a future. So, mm-hmm. um, but I love it. I think it's a great premise and I, I like where it's going. It's just the only thing for me that is it's, it's been, I think it's good. It's just having it under the same umbrella. It feel of like for AWA it just makes it feel odd. And it's the same writer too. So it's just, it's good. I, I I wouldn't say anything more than that. It has been a good series so far. You need to catch up on out. That's the one I need to hear back from you on. Because yes, like that's I where I'm having. And I meant actually, I meant to. Yeah, but and it's been it's been crazy. I mean, this I, the book I'm talking about today is six issues, and like it was, it just caught up on me out of nowhere in terms of getting that done and then kept reading stuff that's new this week, which is what we head to now. Um, I know that there's a lot of stuff from Marvel this week. We got Moon Knight issue six. <sighs> Trial of Magneto, issue five, uh, Darth Vader, 19, Kang the Conqueror, five, Iron Man, 15, Black Panther, two, which I did read that ahead of this. And the story is the story's good. The action, I said it in my, the review of the first issue, the action leaves a little bit to be desired at times. Um, but the story is is good enough that like I'm able to move past. And there's only, there's like, this was, the action was better this time around. So it's still a solid book, but it's like issue by issue. You could lose me. So it's, it's all on Ridley right now to, to, to keep me um, tuned in, I guess. Um, we got Hawkeye Kate Bishop issue two, which you read the first issue for that. Um, you haven't been able to get to that second one, right? No, but I'm looking forward to it. I enjoyed it a lot. Star Wars, the high Republic trail of shadows, issue three, dark hold Spider-Man issue one, uh, Miss Marvel Beyond the Limit issue one, King Conan issue one, 
And then we come to Wastelanders uh, Hawkeye. Uh, unless there's one of those you wanted to touch on before I go. No, to I that. just said King Conan number one is another one I definitely want to. I want to. Oh, read. okay, yeah. all right. Uh, that's not one that's really going to be on my radar. So I'd love to hear what you, what you think about that. Maybe next week um, when you catch up. But Wastelanders Hawkeye issue one. Now I was not high on the Wastelanders Wolverine um, story. I, get, I ended up giving I think a seven on Geeks Worldwide because the way like we do the grading, but. I was leaning towards lower than that, um, go, like going into it. I mean, after I'd read it, but um, we have our format and whatever that we do that under. But Wastelanders Hawkeye issue one to me was exactly what I want from one of these books. Like, you know, like everybody knows Old Man Hawkeye. He had his series. He's in Old Man Logan too, and he's a cool character. And you see other characters pop up without spoiling anything for you guys. You see other characters pop up in this world that are like, you know, old, older legacy Marvel characters that you care about and you get, you know, just enough Hawkeye stuff and, and it's a fun, cool mission and everything. And you get enough from the other characters too. That's really cool action and everything. So I really like what they did there. I hope that's what we get from this other stuff too. I, you know, I think we have, uh, uh was it Wastelanders star Lord next. So I'm assuming we're going to get rocket in there too. Cause he was in the, um, the podcast that, uh, Benjamin Percy wrote and then I think we, we might be getting Black Widow we might get as well. So there's potential to, for, for this still, um, you know, as much as the first one was the Wolverine one, which you think would kick ass, was a little bit of a letdown, at least on my end. Um, we move over to Boom. Oh, did you have something? I'm sorry. No, no, I'm good. Nope. Uh, from Boom, we have House of Slaughter, issue three, and then Eat the Rich, issue five, and Maw, issue four, all books that you've been reading. Uh, yeah, so I have I have to catch up on Maw. I still have to read Maw issue three and four, which came out uh, coming out uh, as you're listening to this. Um, House of Slaughter three and Eat the Rich. Both of those I've read. Um, Eat the Rich, man, this was an intense finale. This mm. has been such a great book. Really? Can't wait to talk about it. This was a fun one to read. Yeah, you've been on this uh, one from, from day one. I, yeah. I was back into like boom with its fastball and everything. Getting it yeah, back yeah. Bit. They brought it with this one, which is great. And uh, it does look like it. I think it will be continued, but I, I, I'm not sure. But it had a really good. It wrapped up really well. Um, House of Slaughter number three, man. I could do without it, to be honest with you. Really that bad? Wow. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's it, to say to say that it does not mean that it's bad. Okay. I just I want what makes something is killing the children great is the character Erica Slaughter, and the purpose of House of Slaughter is to give us more of a background of the Order of Saint George and the House of Slaughter, and and its its primary focus is on the character Aaron and um another character named Jace. The problem is Aaron is just not interesting. Mm. And his story, it's like taking too long. The pacing of it is far too slow. We got a little bit of action in this book, but it's like, I feel like we could have gotten to this point already. And we're only three issues in. Right. And so like it was recently announced that, um, you know, Tynan is going to be doing more. Um, something is killing the children. We are getting another Erica Slaughter arc for that. Mm-hmm. I am fucking 10 toes, both feet, all 220. I am in, baby. Yeah. Right. I... But this, I just like, uh, you know, it's fine, mm-hmm. but like, I don't, it's not needed. It's not giving me anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm worried about Tynan right now, up. man. I, I know he's your guy, and obviously he's a great writer. Like, th- like whether or not he's your guy, he is a great writer. But just there's a lot of different things where it's like, uh, you know, you've been saying, uh, you know, uh, this and that, and that he's involved in and stuff that he's 
supposed to be like on top of, but he's kind of stepped back from now because of all these moves that he's making with Substack. It's just, it's a, it's, it's weird. Like he you know, comes off this this year where he's just, you know, he becomes like a titan in the industry, wins this, the Eisner and everything like that. And he's kicking ass and taking names, and now it's just kind of like. What has gone on this year? What is what is happening with him right now? Um, not saying obviously that stuff's bad. I mean, maybe he's he, maybe he's burnt out. You know, it's, it's, hey, that could be it. that could be easily um, that happens. So I'm not. It I'm does not, that does happen? It's just it, yeah, it stinks. It you know because like okay, he wanted to finish up Batman. That's fine, mm-hmm. but now he's handing the Joker off to someone else. And this is, I mean, it's it says James Tyne and Tate Bromble. But I gotta imagine that it's Tate Bromble writing a majority of the book yeah. with with Tynan just sort of overseeing it. Yeah, probably isn't it, or like Todd's doing with with Sean Lewis over on yeah. The and don't get me wrong, I love the art. Chris Sheehan's art in this has been absolutely mm. fantastic because it, it is right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is very similar to uh, Werther's uh, Werther uh, Deladera, um, different mm-hmm. but similar. Uh, right. The art's been fantastic. It's just I'm asking myself, is this adding anything that I need? And it's yeah. not, and maybe it will, and maybe just, but like, mm-hmm. it's like with Berserker, get to it. I still haven't read it, but I got to go back and read this. You, to it. you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah that's, so that's, that's, that's sort of how I feel. I don't understand how Berserker has been getting as much praise as it has, other than the fact that the Keanu Reeves, his name is on the book. Outside of that, I'm like, what? Why is everybody saying like this is you see it on like best books of the year? Like we just produced our well, own list for Geeks uh, Worldwide, not on our list, but on others. I'm like, what are you doing? They're not even close to being on my radar. No, I, I think it's just and we're um, we're like the target audience. Like you look at what's what Geeks Worldwide, what we put out for best book of the year, right? So I was one that put that together. So I saw everybody's books that are coming in, and there are some books that you've talked about, some books that we know about that aren't necessarily on our radar, things that aren't like for us but either way like so i understand that you're gonna get a diverse mix but berserker feels like that's a book that's made for us and it's just like we couldn't care less about it i'm still trying to read it because like i want to be able to report back on it in full when it's done but it's like it's just been a letdown well it's got the hype it's got the hype right it had it's that. got yeah. Keanu's attached to it and that first issue came out like fucking gangbusters yes, that first did. issue like set a set a bar and set a tone that it is yet yet to reach and like i stopped reading it but issues two three i think i gave it four issues were all the same they were all the same nothing happened yeah it's a lot of just thinking in the past and not like but yeah the the pacing on the book has been off like that like like you yeah you because the the problem is it needs to be a present day story with you know you can have these flashbacks to different points of his past that would be far better like seeing him at different points throughout time Versus just like, I don't need a four issue origin story. Yeah, it's been it, about a character that's just like, oh, am I supposed to be invested just because it's Keanu essentially? Like, yeah, it's gonna get us yeah. Netflix. It's been optioned for Netflix and everything, and it'll get a show. I'm sure the show will end up being better. People will be like, oh, I gotta read Berserker, and we'll tell you guys, no. Like so far from what we've seen, no. It's like yeah. it could be a good show still. Like they they learn from their mistakes, I'm sure. But it's been a letdown. What yeah. hasn't been a letdown though, as we move over to Image, uh, Gunslinger Spawn issue three. Not the, okay. So all the first two issues were outstanding. Really loved them. This one was definitely. It was it was so good, but it felt like a little bit stagnant's not the word because there's still a lot of awesome action in this. We meet a new character and everything like that, but it's just. 
I felt like it was a little bit slower in terms of the yeah. tempo, but still like the pacing was just off. I would say in general, still giving it a good grade. I'm reviewing for geeks for wide and everything. So like an 8.5, um, Brett Booth's art is just too good. I mean, yeah, and, yeah. and, and, and hit the gunslinger character is just too cool. So I'm still like, this is a character and, and there's a lot more movement than berserker. I will yeah, say yeah. that. Um, a lot of dialogue in this one too. Yep, and then or we got saw a lot of narration, I should say. Oh yeah, well that's what. Oh, anytime Todd's writing it, you know that there's going to be that. As opposed to like Sean Lewis, where things are moving along a little bit quicker in King Spawn. Still, the scorch coming soon. When that comes out, we're going to be reviewing that for you guys. Uh, we're going to be giving that, uh, releasing that interview for you guys. Can't we're itching to get that one out there. Um, now let's see. We got Radiant Black issue eleven. Of course, we got Kyle Higgins on a while back. Speaking of interviews, um, and the ending of this issue, like the, the issue ten, was like a big deal. Then yeah. we find out some crazy shit happened, you know, between well, in the course of all that that we didn't know about in issue eleven. Some, like, I, I don't want to like you because you, I know you haven't gotten to it yet, but some crazy shit happened there. And then the end of this issue is just like, oh. Okay, then all right, because there's been some question marks about a certain character who's been sidelined um and uh maybe some of that stuff gets addressed in the slightest oh. capacity so i'm very excited going into issue 12 um i think we're gonna the focus is going to be there more so and then we also have uh, a righteous thirst for vengeance issue three of that was out this week and another break more dialogue than the first one which doesn't take much but like again breakneck pace for this story yeah i'm still kind of confused a little bit right a little, little bit like what's the motives you know what is this guy like at first, you're thinking, okay, he's on a quest, like something happened to a family member, or a wife, or sister, or something, and he's out. To, and then you get issues two, and 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 then this. It's like, it's very interesting. This is the weird thing about this book. It is not a lot of dialogue. It's right. very interesting. I still don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, I'm. I'm but I want more. Yeah, I want it's, more. It it's, moves so fast that it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I, uh, it it's 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 wild, but it's been um. But I, I, I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah. It's so, but the quite like the, the the thing always comes down to is the quality of the questions that the reader is asking him or herself or themselves uh, after the fact, and that's what this one of the things this does so well. And then the pacing is just crazy. Um, as we look over to Dark Horse, I remember I did have one book for catching up. I read Cloaked after last oh! week episode. that came out last week. Yes, I read the first issue of that. It was. Think? I thought I texted you. I think I did. It was really good. It yeah. was really good. Yeah, I Told really you. liked it a lot. Yes, a lot of tension in that episode. A lot of question marks, and then the ending. It's like, well, shit. Okay, <laughs> all right. I'm definitely yeah. in on this series. Definitely yeah. in on that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, uh, we got Black Solstice issue one out this week from them, and then Joy Operations issue two. Of course, that's by uh, Bendis. Dynamite, we have Rodney Barnes, Army of Darkness, 1979, issue four. Aftershock, Chicken Devil, issue three, which I've been all over this series. And then the Search for, I'm sorry, Search for Who, issue four. IDW has Marvel Action Avengers, issue one. AWA had Telepaths, issue four. Comicsology. so last week, I forgot to mention this. Last week, someone decided to give me shit because I hadn't read We Have Demons, issue three. So I go right away to check that out because I want to read, I'm like, how did I that slipped my mind in the course of things. And then I go to look and it's like, Oh, we have demons issue three is ha hasn't come out yet. So, so yeah. So watch yourself. Fake um, news, Bray. And then this week I'm thinking, okay, we're going to get it. Now we get the clear issue three. We get night of the ghoul issue three. So that one's a week ahead apparently. And then we don't get, we have demons issue three, but we did get the all nighter, which that is the Zadarsky book, right? It is. This, okay. is, what, this is what's called karma. 
Oh, oh. cheating with oh. the goddamn coin flip, you oh, snake. Oh, right. Oh, wow. Okay. Still on that bullshit. Okay, cool. All right. Always on that bullshit. Mm. Um, so I didn't get a chance to read Night of the Ghoul, uh, but I read uh, The Clear. And this is just an absolutely fascinating book um, where the first issue, like, just knocked my socks off. But then the second issue was like, okay. Mm. All right. Okay. Let's see where this is going. And then, like, you know what Scott Snyder does. He he always like one of the things I love about you know the way he writes and the way he constructs a story is you know you, you you've got your characters and they look a certain way, they act a certain way, but you don't know exactly why. You think it's just oh this is how this character is supposed to look, but then in this issue something happens where you get a backstory and it all makes sense. Mm. And this issue really was like. It put a it put a bunch of puzzles um, in place, uh, puzzle pieces in place, mm-hmm. and really, you know, just is bringing the story together and, and elevating it. It's again, it's it's a really good mystery noir type story, and okay. I loved how things came together in this issue. You know, where it ended, where it's going, um, top notch stuff. So these are books too. Night of the Ghoul. We have demons in the clear. Those books are going to be released in print form in March. We finally got a date on those things. It's going to be single issue releases as well. Um, there is going to be stuff. There's going to be like, a, I think the script is going to be in that first issue, at least for We Have Demons. I heard Scott talk about that. Um, so this is definitely going to be something you guys want to pick up if you don't have Comixology Unlimited. Uh, we, Of course, Joe and I have been loving this series. We will talk about the series, all three of them on the whole in some capacity on here when those start to get released, because all of them will have been out on Comixology. Still waiting on that last We Have Demons. But they're all three-issue stories with supersized arcs. Three, sorry, three-issue arcs, first arcs, with supersized, um, at a supersized level. So it's going to end up being still like six issues, just you're getting them in you know three issues instead. So we will do that. We will definitely be careful about spoilers, because people are going to be picking those up um, one by one as they're released. But uh, we're, we've been we've been really enjoying this. And I'm probably going to pick up at least the We Have Demons single issues, because because like I, I, there's going to be other cool stuff in there, um, you know, that's, that Scott's going to be providing that you know give you a reason if you have Comicsology Unlimited to pick it up. And it's, I mean, I, I like the artist. You know, it's what Frank Avila and Francis Manipal, right on the on the two stories you're reading. But Capullo is one of the one of the one of my guys, like 100. percent And I think most people would say that. Uh, we move over to DC. Now we have Joe's favorite series, probably his series of the year, Batcat issue nine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that dumb fucking book. Uh, Justice League Incarnate issue two, Batman versus Big V issue four. Uh, it sounds like Violet's not a fan of Batcat Nine either. Uh, refrigerator full of heads issue three, uh, Wonder Woman Evolution issue two. Then we have Robins two, which I read the first issue and was like, "There's potential. I really want this to be a good book." And I probably gave it, I gave it a seven, I think, for a grade, maybe six and a half, but I was like, I want this to be better. And the bones are definitely there. And I was reading it and I'm like, no, 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 I'm out. You're off. Right. I'm out. Yep. And I like went to the end and I'm like, yeah, no, definitely not out. I'm definitely out on this. Um, you know, I, I still will probably keep tabs because I'm interested in the whole premise of this being, you know, possibly the original Robin, but it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's, kids will like it. It's definitely for a younger audience for sure. And that would be part of why it doesn't hit for me, but I just feel like it's, um, there's a lot of potential here to have it be a little darker and everything. And it's just like, yeah, like kind of dragged for me, this issue. What didn't drag was 
uh, Nightwing 87, which we've been waiting for for a while. This is the one we've been teasing. Like, okay, we know, like, well, Tom Taylor announced it. We just couldn't remember which freaking issue it was. <laughs> this is the issue where there are no panels. It is just one fluid story, and all of the arts just kind of flow into one another. And we saw this in, uh, or I saw it in the Black Widow series by Kelly Thompson. And I really like that. Like with certain characters, it makes a lot of sense where you just have like a bunch of different images of that individual. And I, I wonder if they got this from um, the Kelly Thompson series because it works so well with Black Widow. Not that this is the first time we've ever seen it, but it just works so well with her. So they do it with Nightwing and Joe. This, in the grand scheme of the story, yes, it's um, the, the this is like uh, this individual story is important for Dick Grayson and Nightwing and everything. And I'm separating the two for a reason, but. It's not like this the craziest like issue ever, but in terms of a writing perspective, it's good. Not I wouldn't say like like mind blowing, but the art in the 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 premise of the story fits perfectly for what they did in terms of an artwork approach, and I absolutely loved it. I would love to see more of this with Nightwing. So it was a one of the best issues we've gotten of Nightwing, even though the story isn't necessarily like the great craziest development um, so far. It's, it's just like it's. Really good, and I'm really excited for people to give this a look. I wanted to read it ahead of time, but I also wanted to like actually read it um, with it in my hand, like to read the the physical copy. So I, mm -hmm. I went to Newbury Comics this morning to go get it, and you know, just like everything else, the shipment was delayed, wasn't mm. there. You know, it, it's it, they've been having issues, unfortunately. Last week the Marvel books didn't arrive on time. The week oh, before wow. it was the indie books weren't there on time. You know, Jesus. so it's like, Jesus Christ, because I wanted to actually like it's one thing to kind of look at on a tablet, but I wanted to just see how it looked, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in all its glory. So you said it wasn't the best story. So it's still good. Like, it's like, it's like <clears throat> we've had some crazy mind blowing stuff from Tom Taylor and he's and he's gotten like in tune with the character so well. I'm not saying like it's not like I, I didn't I'm not doing it justice by saying it's not the best. Like, it's not a bad story. Like, it's like a eight. The story is probably like an eight, eight and a half, like eat comfortably in that range. But, so, but has it ranked with some of the other stories that we've gotten, like say pre um, stupid fear state stuff? Because those it, stories were great. Yeah, I would say it's probably not as good, but it's just like it's more about it, it's it's probably not as good in that sense. But it's it fits what you're trying to what they were trying to do with the art, and that's what and that's what this is all about. This this whole issue, the art is more important. That's all I care about. Um, how did that flow? And it was great. Like if they are going to do this more going forward, I can't imagine they will. Cause I'm sure like the, the Bruno Renat Redondo, or I say his name wrong all the time, but he, he probably had a, to do a lot of extra work for this because these are all spreads, but it's like, if they did this going forward, then yeah, then you got to make some adjustments on the story, but this is just an action packed issue, all car chase and, and, and that, and like going and, and fighting bad guys, like, you know, henchmen and stuff like that. That's all this is. So it, it works, but it's not like this groundbreaking emotional story. Like we're getting crazy character development. It's just, it's fun. Like that's more, it's like, it's fun. And then the action is in, in the, the artwork and the different styles that's right. supposed to take you in. And it does that. So I still give it like a nine, nine and a half, like easy. Just the story's not the best that I would say, um, but it's not like a, it's not bad. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. So that's my my apologies for misleading you a little bit there. Um, Batman One Dark Knight from Jock. Also, we've been waiting for this for a while. Uh, I, I gotta say, like the the art we, we talk about the art for Nightwing. What we get from with from Jock here with Batman, there's some moments that's just like wow, like just <sighs> like with the cape and everything, it's really cool. 
really cool. So I'm excited. This I don't know. This is a black label series, but I don't yeah. know if it's three issues or six. But I'm very excited for this uh, for this one going forward. Um, and speaking of Batman, actually, do you have a Batman book planned for us? Am I correct? I, I do, baby. I so I am absolutely stunned that we didn't. Neither of us did this last year for our, our holiday special. And I remember you specifically scrambling us scrambling to find you a Christmas themed story to tell. Yeah. And then uh, it's the first thing that came up for me. And this book came out in 2011. So um, we, we should have seen it. But here we are now talking about it. I am uh, discussing Batman Noel from DC Comics. Uh, this was written and drawn by Lee Bermejo. Uh, who also was the artist on Brian Azzarello's uh, Joker. Uh, so you know the art's going to be uh, fairly intense. Uh, colors by Barbara uh, Ciardo and letters by Todd Klein, uh, which it, I believe is also the letterer of your book. Yeah, that's too funny. That's right? funny how it worked out, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was a 2011 uh, book, and no, it doesn't appear as though it was released in single issues. It's a 92-page story, and I think it was just all – um, you know, put out um, at once as a hardcover um, kind of story. But quick synopsis. Inspired by Charles Dickens' immortal classic, A Christmas Carol, Batman Noel features different interpretations of the Dark Knight along with his enemies and allies in different eras from writer um, and artist Lee Bermejo. Uh, in this spectacular oversized graphic novel, Batman must come to terms with his past, present, and future as he battles villains from the campy 1960s to the dark and brooding menaces of today while exploring it, uh, exploring what it means to be the hero that he is. And so... Definitely a quick synopsis. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, yeah, real quick. <laughs> I gotta so, cut down on mine because I'm giving you shit. <laughs> yeah, yours is three times the fucking size of this one. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, I, I would tell you to eat something right now, but this is a family program. Yeah, of course. Yes. <laughs> Definitely the definition of TLDR. Family program. Definitely kid safe. Every time I do a YouTube video, they're always like, is this made for children? No. <laughs> It's made We're by talking- a child, but not yes. for a child. A pa- yeah, a pair of children, but uh, but no, definitely not for kids. <laughs> as we're talking about picture books. Anyways. Right, right, right. Yes. <laughs> so I love uh, A Christmas Carol. It's, I'll watch many iterations of this during uh, the Gilmore's 25 Days of Christmas, uh, which we apparently I'm going to squeeze in a Medea movie. That's for you, Bert. Uh, but I love The Christmas Carol. I, the story of it, it's about redemption, you know, and... Uh, it's it's one of the one of the best you know pieces of work in, in literary history. So when Libra Mayho decides to tackle it with Batman, you know, yeah, I'm I am in. I'm gonna definitely check this out. And um, you know, the you know, premise of it is Batman is Scrooge. Batman has lost his way. He's not the okay. man that he once was. Um, and you know he's you know he's obsessed with the Joker as we know him to be, but he's obsessed with the Joker to such a point that he's willing to sacrifice everything that he is. That makes him Batman. That makes him a hero. Um, and he'll, he'll, he's willing to catch the Joker at all costs, even if it means knowingly putting, you know, innocent lives and an innocent child at risk to do so. Right. So this is not mm-hmm. who Batman is. Right. And so what's great about it, I mean, it really does sort of follow Dickens' story, um, you know, sort of step by step here. But it's a lot grittier um, in a way that only Lee Bermejo, you know, 
you know, could do. So, you know, we get our, our cast of characters here where, you know, as I said a moment ago, Batman is Scrooge. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the story's got, you know, the, I would say the main character really is the narrator, is the person telling the story. Um, but, you, you know, like I said, Batman's obsessed with, uh, you know, obsessed with catching the Joker. And he's, the story begins with him using a low level crony as bait. Mm -hmm. You know, so this guy, right. right, this guy steals a ton of money. Batman busts him, uh, takes the money, puts a tracker on the guy because he knows that Joker is going to come looking for this guy and kill him. And when he goes to do so, that's when Batman's going to strike. Mm -hmm. And so as he's following this character, whose name is Bob. Uh, uh, it, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a little on the nose, but it works. No, it's fine. It's, it's, you got to get a little cheesy when you're doing like right. Christmas related stuff. Yeah. Right, Batman's doing his recon. The guy, and he sees that he's got a son named Tim, mm. and so Tim is interesting in this regard because of Tiny Tim, but also because of um, Tim Drake, mm. Robin. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And so Batman's got zero concern that this guy's got a kid. He's just biding his time, you know, to you know, till the Joker shows up, and he doesn't give a shit that the kid's going to be caught in the crossfire, which I thought was a really interesting take to show how far Batman had gone off the reservation, mm -hmm. just how nuts, you know, because that's what makes a redemption story. You got to see someone at their lowest low to be able to build them back up again. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you know, even Batman uses the line, you're decreasing the surplus population that Scrooge uses. Oh, when asked about like collateral damage, like, you know, when Alfred says, you know, there's a kid there and he's like, well, sometimes, you know, in order to decrease the surplus population, you're going to do what's necessary. You know, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. So that's again, it's very anti Bruce Wayne, very anti, you know, Batman. And I can so tell you this, I can tell you this show. I would like to see this turned into like an animated movie. That'd be this fun. would be an awesome animated movie. It'd it would fun. be perfect. And this would mm -hmm. definitely be on my list to watch. Um, every year for sure. So, you know, the other, you know, the other main character you get, right, is Jacob Marley, right, in the beginning of the Christmas Carol. He's the one that sort of warns Scrooge, you know, the error of his ways, you know, mm -hmm. don't repeat the same mistakes. You still have time. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jacob Marley, in this case, is Jason Todd. Oh, okay. Well, that's, see, that's tough now because, like, is that my favorite Marley? Because I'm more of a Marley and Marley fan, if you know. Marley which, and Marley. Woo! That's my favorite Christmas movie of all time. So, like, now it's like, see, if this, if this is animated, this would be pushing the limits for me, for sure. Uh, and so, and I thought that was really, it was a really great choice there because we've already setting up the premise that, you know, Batman just doesn't give a shit about, like, if a child's going to be endangered or not. Mm. And the last child that he sort of put in danger was Jason Todd, and he died. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like living with that grief and that guilt and sort of where, you know, it's sent Batman. I thought that was a great character to choose for, um, you know, Jacob Marley. And he's, you need to be redeemed. You're on a path that's just it's not going to end well for you. Mm -hmm. um, and then as it goes, we get our three ghosts. So the first ghost is the ghost of Christmas past. This is played by Catwoman. Um, you know, she's just sort of there to, you know, again, as the story goes, she reminds Batman of who he used to be. And the most interesting, real most, the most interesting part of her little part of this book was the end mm -hmm. where it goes from her ghost to the next ghost and, and, and the uh, ghost of Christmas past ends in crime alley. 
which was a cool scene. You know, mm. what you get a lot with Bermejo's art in this book is you get a lot of like just double page spreads of just a lot of action going on mm-hmm. and you see a lot of different, you know, things. And so that just that iconic scene of crime alley being, you know, used as a part of, you know, ghost of Christmas fast was nice. Um, and then we get the ghost of Christmas present. And this was another brilliant choice. This was Superman. Oh, right? so we know in, in the stories, any iteration of a Christmas Carol, the ghost of Christmas present is this larger than life, very colorful, very festive ghost. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's Superman. He's, he's larger than life. He's got bright colors, you know, the red, the blue and the yellow. Um, and you know, he's, he, you know, he's again, it's his following Dickens tale, you know, step-by-step. Step. So he's there to, you know, show Batman that, you know, you know, even his allies, you know, don't think, you know, of him the way that he might think of himself and trying to, you know, show him like, listen, you know, yeah, you're, 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 you're doing good here, but you're, you're, you're a step away from shit really hitting the fan here. And, and everyone is starting to see it. You need to see it yourself. And he's trying to sort of nurse Bruce back to healthier nurse his ego, you know, he's, he's physically you know ill in the book and so you get a lot of superman doing superman you know coddling here um but it was the the ghost of christmas yet to come which i think was no surprise it's the joker Mm. right It's, it's it's death it's chaos and that's exactly what you know he's there to show bruce he's you know batman if you continue on this path which i hope you do <laughs> this is the chaos that will rain down and you know the effects that it has on alfred and the effects that it has on gordon for those helping him and just the the descent that gotham you know dives into you know it's it's change your ways or all the good that you have done will be for naught because it's going to get, you know, that much worse. And so, you, you know, while it was on the nose at times, I thought it really did a good job at sort of giving you this Gotham city view of, you know, a Christmas Carol and, and, and Dickens tale. And I mean, it was, it was a quick read. It was a, it was a fun read. I mean, Liebermejo's art is unique. It's gritty. It's, it wasn't as gruesome. Um, mm-hmm. as the Joker or Joker, I should say, but it's it's not to say that it didn't have its moments because mm-hmm. um, I think he's a really good horror artist. You know, he mm-hmm. can really create a lot of that with his art. The one thing that I didn't quite like was um, the letterer, unfortunately, oh. Oh. just because like when it was, when there was dialogue, it was the traditional, you know, bubbles and all that stuff. And it was great and it was easy to read, but the narration a lot of time was just blended in with the background. So my old ass eyes, uh, had a hard time. We had to zoom in a lot, oh. uh, you know, to kind of read it. So, which I don't typically have to do. So, hmm. um, that was just like the one choice that I thought was like, eh, you know, they could have done the narration bits a little bit better, but overall, if you want to read a holiday book, you, you love Batman, you love, uh, you know, Christmas Carol, definitely give it a read this was a fun one for sure i always find it interesting too you talk about like we, we talked about batman reptilian right which is a book that kind of like fell off for me a little bit and, and and there's a lot of different things that garth Ennis was trying to do in that series where it's kind of more like making the satire is more like kind of poking at the issues with batman over the years where people criticize him with this it's like it's obviously not the same thing but it's of that ilk where batman has kind of like you say he's lost his way and it's kind of 
it's not demonizing Batman more so Ennis tried to do that, um, which in some ways he did, uh, did, did succeed in doing that. But here I, I find it like, do you find this is something that is this people who like Batman are, are going to like this? Or do you think this is more for people who don't like Batman because he just goes so far in one direction? People want to see him kind of fail and crumble. Well, I think this is what we talk about with Batman, right? Is that we get the same tropes over and over and over again. We feel like we know the character. He's, you know, there's not much to it. So whenever we get some good black label stuff, like we get with the Murphy verse and stuff like that, it it's refreshing. And so I think because this is so woven into the fabric of, you know, Dickens tale, it's, it's unique to that. So you, when you read it, you're reading it as such. And so I, I wouldn't say that like, if you're a fan of Batman, you won't like it. Or if you don't like, you know, I wouldn't say that's the case at all. I would say this is just a good story. It's got, you know, your, your, you know, your basic Batman and rogue gallery, you know, tropes and elements to it, but putting it in that world and reading it from that perspective, I thought was very interesting. Okay. All right. Well, I, we talked, we always talk about if it's show movie, clearly animated movie uh, potential. And I would love to see it turned into that at some point down the line. I mean, why not? Right. There's it would like, be tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. Make an animated movie, make it, you know, hour and a half. It might, might not even need to be an hour and a half. You could probably, you know, um, but nice, boom, quick, like you do with the other animated stuff. And um, I, I think it would be awesome. And it sounds like your book is more uh, more appropriate for the holiday season than mine is. Now, we obviously are picking holiday books, holiday theme books in some capacity, right? What? You couldn't put a little sprig of holly on the fucking clock? Uh, oh, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, my, my place is much more decorated than it has a been. Little, a little mistletoe up there, perhaps, <laughs> or, you know, a wreath. Hang I, a wreath from the fucking clock. Well, some people know that I used to have I have this, like, tiny tree, right, that I've had for the couple of years that I've been in my, my current Is that uh, what you residence. call it? It's more like a bush. Um, but I ha- that is now on the windowsill, and I actually do have a tree now. We have a bunch of um, presents around the tree now. It's, more, it's almost like the place has, like, uh, a lady's touch, you know. I mean, it's the place looks a little bit better. So, um, anyways, it looks like you should be on the People's Communist Party podcast with how bland your background is. Well, some people are going to say that about me after the book that I talk about today because I absolutely <laughs> love this thing. And this is uh, let me, let me ask, let's start with this, Joe. Would you, if we had the means to clone no. Jesus, would you want to see it done? No? no, no, I don't think so. No, you don't think so? Oh, well, then I don't know how you're going to feel about the book I'm talking about today. <laughs> uh, Punk Rock Jesus from Vertigo Comics by Sean Murphy. He's the writer and the artist. I talked about this in the holiday um, the holiday gift guide, and, I, and I'm going to talk about it again probably with our annual. Definitely going to talk about it with our annual. Um, he is one of my favorite creators in the business. He is the writer and the artist on this series, uh, six-issue series. As Joe said before, we share the letterer, uh, Todd Klein, for this series. As much as Joe, he frustrated you with your book. Didn't really have much of an impact on me for this series, so I will put that out there. But I find it interesting we have that in common. And both of these books, are writer writer and the artist is the same individual, which that does carry some weight. I think it does have an impact. Not that I want to always just read um, books that are written by artists only because sometimes the artists aren't necessarily when it comes to that aspect of storytelling, that's not necessarily their strengths, but that's something I think you see a lot in manga where it's the writer and the artist is the same person. But Sean Murphy, when it comes to writer artists, uh, he is 
one of the best in the business, one of my absolute favorites, period. Um, and this is all like Joe, your book was available on Hoopla, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh, uh, yes, it was. Okay. So mine is also available on Hoopla. Again, a six issue series. This began in 2000, the series began in 2003, but it was largely set in 2019 to like 2035, if I have my math correct. Um, a quick synopsis on punk rock Jesus. The newest hit reality show has the unlikeliest celebrity of all in this new black and white miniseries from writer artist Sean Murphy. J2, the TV series starring the clone of Jesus Christ, causes chaos across a near future United States. J2 causes outrage and adulation. Religious zealots everywhere either love or hate the show. Angry politicians worry about its influence on the nation, and members of the scientific community fear the implications of cloning a human being at all, let alone the Son of God. Now, who is the Son of God in this? You would think, okay, they're just going to call him Jesus Christ Jr. or whatever. That actually wouldn't make sense. But I, I didn't know. I figured they just call him Jesus again. They, his name is Chris. His mother, his virgin mother, is named Gwen. So she's like, they do like a procedure and everything. And then he's, she's like, has to carry the kid for the full nine months and whatever. Um, the scientist who helped out with that process and oversaw, you know, I'm going to throw oversaw in quotes, uh, Chris's education um, was Dr. Sarah Epstein. Uh, we have Tom Thomas McHale, who is security for the J2 reality show. He is ex-IRA. He is that badass character that Sean Murphy always, you know, anybody's going to throw in their stories like a badass character user, right? But Sean Murphy has like this type where like he does with Batman, like he did with Led Dent in, um, in, uh, was it Tokyo Ghost, which is written by Rick Remender, not by Sean Murphy. But he has this, this big Jack character who rides a kick-ass chopper. Um, we see like, actually in... White Knight, Batman doesn't ride it on a bike. It's uh, Death Metal that he has the bike. But either – no, he does have a bike. Different looking bike though. Anyways, I, I digress. Um, Tommy McHale is this big jack dude with this kick-ass chopper. And uh, he, you find out he has a nickname that he earned during his time with the IRA, Joe. And I'm not going to say it to the people now because it comes up later on in the story. But it is it is like a oh, – like, I don't want to say a badass nickname because like how he earned it. Not exactly the best of reasons, but it's like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, like this character was already a, like a badass. But then it's like, oh, damn, like this is like one of those people you, you just you never want to ever hear about. You hope doesn't actually exist in real life, uh, but very much could. Then you have Rick Slate, who is the producer uh, of the of Office's reality series. Office is like basically um, like NBC, CBS, that sort of thing. Um, in the show, of course, you mentioned J2, of course, for Jesus Christ 2.0. Uh, Rebecca is Dr. Epstein's daughter who we meet, who's, who grows up around the same time as Chris. Um, you know, and there's a lot that goes along with that character as well. And I, I, that's something I, oh, you'll get in a little bit later into, uh, into a little bit later on in the story. Uh, and then there's Daisy Milton, who is the leader of, well, I hesitate to say leader. I feel like she's the spokesperson. She's she's definitely the face, at least, of the New American Christians, the NAC. And this is a radical Christian group that opposes J2, but kind of flip-flops back and forth on Gwen, flip-flops back and forth on Chris, because there's a lot that goes on with those two characters um, throughout the, the course of the show, because there's obviously, you have, like, so I, I ask you, if you, if Joe, if we would, you want to clone Jesus, if we had the means to, would you then, if you, if you had that option, let's say that they did that, would you want to have there be like a reality show centered around this individual too? 
No, no, I want nothing to do with any of this. It sounds <laughs> like a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea. It's an awful idea, but it, and it leads to sheer chaos and um, a lot of uh, a lot of wreckage. I guess is one way to put it. Um, and what's really interesting is you don't find this out till the end of the book. But this is not a spoiler. This is more about Murphy and his approach to um, to writing. Because of course, with anything you're going to do that's going to involve you know Jesus, and, and this is supposed to be you know Jesus kind of reincarnate you're going to be talking about religion and then like you know you think maybe some form of uh, a crisis of faith and this story coincided in sean murphy's like actual life his path towards atheism so there's a whole lot going on here for him um as he's writing this and he was writing it before he kind of took that turn and that's what helped him write this story and there's there's so much with whether we're talking about Chris, whether you're talking about Tommy McHale, uh, Gwen, and, and some of these other characters, when you're talking about faith, they all go through different stuff. So his his own experience is not just shown in one character. And I thought he did an outstanding job. And what's what's odd about it, though, is as much as he was going on his path towards atheism in this, this still feels like religious in ways where you might think it's not. And then and they ask like. Everything that Chris does, because he's obviously the focal point, um, especially as he comes of age, because this is spanned over largely like 15 years. There's some flashbacks to w one of the other characters. Actually, I'm, this is not spoiling it. The start of the story is with Tommy McHale as a kid, and that's years and years ago. It was probably something like 20 years in the past or, or, or close to that. And then with, with the focus on Chris, it's over the span of like 15 years. And with, with, like, with him, it's just the – the things that he does along the way, it's like, oh, it seems like he's really like, like he's doing this. But then it's like, oh, what about that? Like in terms of like religiousness and like when you think about if you have any background and understanding of, you know, the, the original Jesus Christ, um, you think like, well, he did do this and he did do that. And it's just a lot of question marks along the way and a real thinker for me. Um, and, and, and despite, you know, certain individuals motives, it's just. It's crazy how like, yeah, it seems like you're going in one direction, but it's pretty, it's still kind of along the lines of the other, um, you know, in terms of religious or, or atheist. And I really, really enjoy this. And, and, and for those who've listened to the show long enough, you know that anytime you're dealing with anything like that has some sort of religiousness in it, I'm going to be fascinated by it. Like that we have demons is religious stuff. Constantine, as much as he is more a warlock wizard than anything else, like he is dealing with heaven and hell constantly. That is part of why I love that character. So when you get those sorts of things mixed into this, it, you know, you're not like, well, you're not dealing with angels and demons, really. You're not like, that's not the thing here. It's all about people. But I, I, that's still a very fascinating topic for me for personal reasons. Like it's just there's I think it's such a, a messy thing in the world. It's, you know, there's a lot of messy things in the world, but that's one for me that's always kind of had my attention. So anytime you're getting that involved in a story, I, I'm, I'm standing. I'm, I want to hear it. And Sean Murphy, I mean, he's just one of my favorite writers and one and he's obviously one of my favorite artists, too. Um, so it's it's really interesting. And like the, the largest question I think that gets asked in this, Joe, is how would people respond to Jesus if um, if like, if that actually happened? Like if he was actually brought back from that, like how, how would people who are very religious, how people who are atheists and all that. And then also what what if he denounced a lot of the things done by people who worshiped him? for their entire life that like those two questions are the biggest thing that are kind of answered at least through Murphy's lens 
um, throughout this story. So it's like an absolute page turner, another one that's available on Hoopla. And I, I like it should be made into a movie. I know you're going to ask me that, but I'm going to steal that from you. 100% <laughs> should be a movie. This is a, a no-brainer for me. Well, yeah, it can, show, it can be a show if they wanted to, but you have to, you know, ex- do a lot of extension on certain things. Yeah, no, make it a movie, yeah. you know, and uh, throw it on Netflix, and let's let's watch all the people that used his name uh, for what they thought were doing good, you know. Yeah, get get their shit handed to them. Yeah, because they're fucking hypocrites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be, it will be. Dude, this would definitely be a controversial show, like movie. If this is, yeah, I, I, I would think it'd be really good. I really, this is a really good book, and yeah. the black and white too, like. You could have done it in color and it would have been fine, but it like black not, not at all distracting that it's yeah. that it's black and white for me whatsoever. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That sounds that sounds fascinating, actually. Yeah, it's it it's you're gonna cruise through. I mean, you've liked everything I've given you that Sean Murphy related so far, right? You read Tokyo Ghost, you yeah. read the plot holes, mm-hmm. um, and now this White Knight, like, yeah. White Knight, of course. But you were on Curse of the White Knight before that, yeah, too. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but White Knight, of course, and we're getting the um we actually that was another bit of news too. We got we're getting the uh Terry McGinnis, oh! right? Yes. Coming in April. Yes. 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 <laughs> Cannot ooh, wait. Ooh, 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 ooh. John, like, like, to me, if Sean Murphy's involved, I have, to, I have to read it. I have to give it a shot. Like, it's in, in and I'm, I say give it a shot. Like, oh, you know, you know, first issue. No, I'm giving it like three issues, and and I haven't been disappointed yet with anything I've read from him. There's still some stuff that I haven't read that he's been involved in over the years. I gotta do. I gotta make sure I get all of it. I think it's like the Chrononauts. Um, I think that was him and Remender as well. But um. But yeah, it's again one of my absolute favorites, and uh, this is you know for the holiday season. You know, not not fully a holiday book pushes back on a lot of stuff, but still, like if 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 you want to read about Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, yeah, sweet baby Jesus and his uh, tuxedo kind of little t-shirt, tuxedo t-shirt. Yeah, no, yeah, I you're in the tuxedo t-shirt and you're hammer drunk. He's singing lead vocals to Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, this that is actually the most appropriate comparison to this Jesus that we get here, yeah. uh, without going too far, but um, into spoilers, but yeah, so so we have so I'm, I'm this is a much better book than the one I talked about last year for our holiday special. So I'm very, I was very happy to share this one with you. Uh, of course, we have the annual coming up for next week as well, the, the second annual, similar format to last year. Did you make any changes to the to the format? Because I know you want to tinker with it a little bit. So, what I did was, um, we did uh, one of the topics we did was books we're looking forward to most in 2021. Mm. And so I kept those lists on there because we'll, we'll do books we're looking forward to in uh-huh. 2022. And I thought we could have a nice little discussion looking at the books that we were looking forward to and how we felt about them. I know one of them. Is, I, I haven't even, I haven't looked at, back at that list yet. I guarantee one of those is a book we talked about today. Yeah. That we were not happy about. <laughs> Yep, hundred uh, percent. And then I haven't I haven't figured out a way to a proper title, but we talk about um, artist of the year. I added best cover artist. Oh, okay. So we have to come up with a with a name for that. Well, there's I mean there's yeah uh, that's a tough one because oh man especially with all the spawn covers too. But I mean uh, the, the two people that jump out to me right away are obviously John Boy and, and Kirkham. Those are the first two that I think Kirkham, Francisco, Matina, right? So we'll have to we'll have to find someone in, in, in there. But I thought I thought that could be just a subcategory of our favorite artist. You know, who yeah. Is our, you know, who is our favorite cover artist? Because mm-hmm. um, there's been some fucking awesome, awesome covers. And if you want to hear more about from a cover artist that we've had on the show, we had John Boy Myers on a little while back, and obviously a really fun conversation. A lot of one of the one of, a very unique conversation. They've all been unique. That's not fair. They've all been unique, but his was much different just because he's we're not talking to any writers on the show in that interview, um, and provides a, a unique perspective that we don't always hear 
or we hadn't we hadn't really heard yet, I guess, to that point in the show's history, uh, TLDR's history, that is. But uh, of course, so we have that coming up next issue of TLDR. Very excited for that. Um, Joe, enjoy. Have, Merry Christmas and Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody else out there and all and every other holiday that you are celebrating, whether it's Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, other holidays that uh, I don't necessarily know what they would be besides those three. Enjoy your holiday. Enjoy, and we'll talk to you guys before New Year. Um, in between now and then, in addition to listening to us, you can listen to Change My Mind, where we talked at length about Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, what about the Pineapple Boys? What do you guys got planned? Uh, barring my illness taking a turn, uh, we will be talking uh, Season 3, Episode 13, any given Friday night at 10 p.m., 9 p.m. Central. All right. Awesome. So until next time, Joe, have a Merry Christmas and stay sexy. You know it.